Chapter Four of the Charing Cross Mystery by J. S. Fletcher. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Diamond Necklace. The conviction that there was more than met the eye in Hannaford's cutting out and putting away the handsome and distinguished woman's photograph grew mightily in Heatherwick's mind during the next few days. He recalled all that Hannaford had said about it in the train in those few short minutes before his sudden death. Why had he been so keen about showing it to the other man? Was he taking the other man specially to his hotel to show it to him? At that time of night? Why did the recollections which his possession of it brought up afford him obviously so much interest and, it seemed, amusement? And what exactly was meant by the penciled words in the margin of the cutting? Through my hands ten years ago. Under what circumstances had this woman been through Hannaford's hands? And who was she? The more he thought of it, the more Heatherwick was convinced that there was more importance in this matter than the police attached to it. They had proved utterly indifferent to Heatherwick's account of the conversation in the train. That, said Matherfield, with official superiority, was nothing but a bit of chat, a menacing recollection on the ex-superintendent's part. Old men, he said, were fond of talking about incidents of the past. The only significance Matherfield saw in it was that it seemed to argue that whoever the man who had disappeared was, he and Hannaford had known each other ten years ago. At the end of a week the police had heard nothing of this man, nor had they made any discovery in respect to the other man whom Leadbitter swore he had seen with Hannaford at Victoria. The best Scotland Yard hands had been hard and continuously at work, and had brought nothing to light. Only one person had seen the first man after he darted up the stairs of Charing Cross, calling out that he was going for a doctor, this was a policeman on duty at the front of the underground station he had seen the man run out had watched him run at top speed up villiers street and had thought no more of it than that he was some belated passenger hurrying to catch a last bus in the strand but with that all news and trace of him vanished of the tall man in the big blue spectacles and white muffler there was never any trace, nor any news beyond Leadbitter's. Yet Leadbitter was a thoroughly dependable witness, and there was no doubt that he had seen Hannaford in this man's company. So without question Hannaford, during his last few hours of life, had been with two men, neither of whom could be found. Within twenty-four hours of his death, several men came forward voluntarily, who had had dealings or conversations with Hannaford since his arrival in London. But there was a significant fact about the news which any of them could give. Not one knew anything of the tall man seen by Leadbitter, or of the shabby man seen by Heatherwick, or of the secret which Hannaford carried in his sealed packet. 
the story of that sealed packet had been told plentifully in the newspapers but nobody came forward who knew anything about it and when a week had elapsed after the ex-superintendent's burial the whole mystery of his undoubted murder seemed likely to become one of the many which are never solved but heatherwick was becoming absorbed in this affair into which he had been so curiously thrown head first he had leisure on his hands also he was well off in this world's goods and much more concerned with the psychology of his profession than with a desire to earn money by its practice from the moment in which he heard that the doctors had found that hannaford had been poisoned he felt that here was a murder mystery at the bottom of which he must get it fascinated him and all through his speculations and theorizings about it he was obsessed by the picture in his pocket who was that woman and what did the dead man remember about her suddenly one morning after a visit from matherfield who looked in at his chambers casually to tell him that the police had discovered nothing heatherwick put on his hat and went round to surrey street he found rona hannaford busy in preparing to leave malter's hotel she was going to live for a time at any rate with mrs keeley heatherwick went straight to the matter that had brought him that print of a woman's photograph which your grandfather had in his pocket-book he said and that's now in mine out of what paper did he cut it a newspaper evidently yes but i don't know what paper answered rona all i know is that it was a paper which he got by post the morning that he left sellithwaite we were just leaving for the station when the post came he put his letters and papers there were several things in his overcoat pocket and opened them in the train it was somewhere on the way to london that he cut out that picture he threw the paper away with others he had a habit of buying a lot of papers and used to cut out paragraphs well i suppose it can be traced muttered heatherwick thinking aloud he glanced at the evidences of rona's departure so you're going to live with your aunt he said for a time yes she answered i hope you'll let me call suggested heatherwick i'm awfully interested in this affair and i may be able to tell you something about it we'd be pleased she replied i'll give you the address i don't intend to be idle though unless you call in the evening you'll probably find me out what are you thinking of doing i think of going in for secretarial work she answered as a matter of fact i had a training for that in sellithwaite typewriting correspondence accounts french german i'm pretty well equipped don't think me inquisitive said heatherwick suddenly i hope your grandfather hasn't forgotten you in his will i heard he'd left one thank you replied rona he hasn't he left me everything i've got about three hundred a year rather more but that's no reason why i should sit down and do nothing is it good said heatherwick but if that sealed packet could be found 
what was worth a hundred thousand to him would be worth a hundred thousand to his sole legatee worth finding i wonder if anything will be found she answered the whole thing's a mystery that i'm not even on the edge of solving time said heatherwick and patience he went away presently and strolled round to brick court where kentwaite had his chambers doing anything he asked as he walked in nothing replied kentwaite go ahead heatherwick sat down and lighted his pipe you know selithwaite don't you he asked when he had got his tobacco well going your town eh born and bred there and engaged to a girl there replied kentwaite what about selithwaite were you there ten years ago demanded heatherwick ten years ago no except in the holidays i was at school ten years ago why do you remember any police case at selithwaite about that time in which a very handsome woman was concerned probably as defendant no but i was more interested in cricket than in crime in those days are you thinking about the woman hannaford spoke of in the train to the chap they can't come across i am seems to me there's more in that than the police think shouldn't wonder let's see hannaford spoke of that woman as what said she'd been through his hands ten years ago well that's easy if she was through hannaford's hands as superintendent of police ten years ago that would be at selithwaite and there'll be records particulars and so on at selithwaite heatherwick nodded and smoked in silence for a while think i shall go down there he said at last kentwaite stared wonderingly keen as all that he exclaimed queer business said heatherwick like to solve it oh well it's only a four hours run from king's cross observed kentwaite interesting town too old as the hills and modern as they make em excellent hotel white bear and i'll tell you what my future brother is a solicitor there michael hollis i'll give you a letter of introduction to him and he'll show you round and give you any help you need good man said heatherwick write it kentwaite sat down and wrote and handed over the result what do you want to find out exactly he asked as heatherwick thanked him and rose to go all about the woman and why hannaford cut her picture out of the paper answered heatherwick well see you when i get back he went off to his own chambers packed a bag and drove to king's cross to catch the early afternoon train for the north at half-past seven that evening he found himself in selithwaite a grey smoke-laden town set in the midst of bleak and rugged hills where the folk if the railway officials were anything to go by spoke a dialect which to heatherwick's southern ears sounded like some barbaric language but the white bear in which he was presently installed yielded all the comforts and luxuries of a first-class hotel 
the dining-room into which heatherwick turned as soon as he had booked his room seemed to be thronged by a thoroughly cosmopolitan crowd of men he heard most of the principal european languages being spoken later he found that his fellow-guests were principally continental businessmen buyers intent on replenishing exhausted stocks from the great warehouses and manufactories of Sellathwaite. all this was interesting nor was he destined to spend the remainder of his evening in contemplating it from a solitary corner for he had scarcely eaten his dinner when a hall porter came to tell him that mr hollis was asking for mr heatherwick heatherwick hastened into the lounge and found a keen-faced friendly-eyed man of forty or thereabouts stretching out a hand to him kenthwaite wired me this afternoon that you were coming down and asked me to look you up here he said i'd have asked you to dine with me but i've been kept at my office until just now and again i live a good many miles out of town but to-morrow night you're awfully good replied heatherwick i'd no idea that kenthwaite was writing he gave me a letter of introduction to you but i suppose he thought i wanted to lose no time and i don't and i dare say you can tell me something about the object of my visit let's find a corner and smoke installed in an alcove in the big smoking-room hollis read kenthwaite's letter what is it you're after he asked kenthwaite mentions that my knowledge of sellathwaite is deeper than his own naturally it is as i'm several years older well responded heatherwick it's this briefly you're aware of course of what befell your late police superintendent in london his sudden death oh yes read all the newspapers anyway assented hollis you're the man who was present in the train on the underground aren't you i am and that's one reason why i'm keen on solving this mystery there's no doubt whatever that hannaford was poisoned that it's a case of deliberate murder now there's a feature of the case to which the police don't seem to attach any importance i do attach great importance to it it's the matter of the woman to whom hannaford referred when he was talking in my presence to the man who so mysteriously disappeared hannaford spoke of that woman as having been through his hands ten years ago that would be some experience he had here in this town now then do you know anything about it does it arouse any recollection hollis who was smoking a cigar thoughtfully tapped its long ash against the edge of his coffee cup suddenly his eyes brightened that's probably the whittingham case he said it was about ten years ago and what was the whittingham case asked heatherwick case of a woman of a woman evidently an adventuress who came to sellathwaite about ten years ago and stayed here some little time in this very hotel replied hollis oddly enough i never saw her but she was heard of enough eventually she came here to the white bear alone with plenty of luggage and evident funds i understand she was a very handsome woman 
twenty-eight or thirty years of age, and she was taken for somebody of consequence. I rather think she described herself as the Honourable Mrs. Whittingham. She paid her bills here with unfailing punctuality every Saturday morning. She spent a good deal of money amongst the leading tradesmen in town, and always paid cash. In short, she established her credit very successfully, and with nobody more so than the principal jeweller here, Maladale. She bought a lot of jewellery from Maladale, but in his case she always paid by cheque and in the end it was through a deal with maladale that she got into trouble and into hannaford's hands suggested heatherwick into hannaford's hands certainly assented hollis it was this way she had as i said just now made a lot of purchases from maladale who i may tell you has a first-class trade amongst our rich commercial magnates in this neighbourhood her transactions with him, however, were never, at first, in amounts exceeding a hundred or two, but they went through all right. She used to pay him by cheque drawn on a Manchester bank. Manchester, you know, is only thirty-five miles away. As her first cheques were always met, Maladale never bothered about making any inquiry about her financial stability. Like everybody else, he was very much impressed by her. Well, in the end, she'd a big deal with Maladale. Maladale had a very fine diamond necklace in stock. He and she used to discuss her acquisition of it. According to his story, they had a fine old battle as to terms. Eventually, they struck a bargain. He let her have it for £3,900. She gave him a cheque for that amount there and then and he let her carry off the necklace oh exclaimed heatherwick just so agreed hollis but he did however for some reason or other maladale had that cheque specially cleared she handed it to him on a monday afternoon first thing on wednesday morning maladale found it had been returned with the ominous reference to drawer inscribed on its surface naturally he hurried round to the white bear but the honourable mrs whittington had disappeared she had paid up her account taken her belongings and left the hotel and the town late on the monday evening and all that could be discovered at the station was that she had travelled by the last train to leeds where, of course, there are several big main lines to all parts of England. And she had left no address. She had indeed told the people here that she should be back before long, and that if any letters came, they were to keep them until her return. So then Maladale went to the police, and Hannaford got busy. I gather that he traced her, suggested Heatherwick. Hollis laughed sardonically. Hannaford traced her, and he got her, he answered. But he might well use the expression that you mentioned just now. She was indeed through his hands, just as a particularly slippy eel might have been. She got clear away from him. 
End of chapter 4